Leading Britain's Conversation. This is a podcast from LBC. James O'Brien. If you know how this works, then book your place on the switchboard now, the final Mystery Hour of 2018. If you don't know how it works, I will explain, uh, but probably in a rather roundabout way uh, that goes off at several tangents and, and indulges in occasional self-aggrandizement. For example, yesterday I, I was stumbling through Holland Park and the first time ever I've remembered a question for Mystery Hour this, or from my own life, and as I was about to frame it for you, I realised it's the definition of a question I wouldn't allow on for being boring. It was not only boring, it was about motoring. So I got, and, and it was actually about black cabs, specifically. And I was about to start asking you that when I've spent, what, ten years berating anyone who dares to ring in with a road-related question or something that's specific to a tiny sector of the society like, like the black cabs. So I guess I will never know the answer to that question that I was going to ask about that thing. You, however, can ask your question by dialing 03456060973. And within the parameters of obvious dullness and um, stone-cold repetition, you can ask pretty much anything you want. A who, a why, a where, a what, a when, a whither, a wherefore, even the occasional whence. Why do we do that? Where does that come from? I saw this thing and I don't understand it. Explain it. I mean, Mystery Hour is a celebration of illumination, elucidation, enlightenment. The idea is that somebody listening to your question will know the answer. That's why you are categorically forbidden from looking anything up. But the point is that we can pretty much find out almost anything these days with the click of a mouse. But a bit like cash... In the last hour, I'm still a little bit nostalgic for the pre-technological revolution when knowledge was everything. Knowledge is still power. And, and it will be for a while yet, until you've got some sort of microchip in your brain that allows you to undertake Google searches in lieu of memory. Knowledge is still powerful. People kind enough to sometimes ask me why I never lose arguments. It's, it's mostly memory. It's just being able to remember stuff or knowing where it is. Um, it, it, that's all. And also, it's really good to know stuff. You can recite a little poem, even if it's a cure for insomnia, by reciting John Keats's "To Sleep" in your in your mind as you struggle to nod off. It's just cool to know stuff. And we are raising children who perhaps underestimate the coolness of knowing stuff because they can operate perfectly well in the modern world without knowing anything except how to operate a computer or a smartphone. So that's how it works. Um, I think that's it. Six minutes after twelve is the time. Gareth is in Wigan. Gareth, question or answer? Good morning, James. Happy Christmas. It's a question. Carry on, mate. And the same to you. um, I saw something yesterday where it gave a fact which only one in 20 babies in the UK are born on their due date. Oh, yeah. Um, And it it got me thinking, why do we accept that? That one in twenties. It's a big ballpark, mate, isn't it? It's ballpark, yeah. Yeah, it's ballpark. But my question is, really, will will we or can we ever get a more accurate prediction for a a due date than that, or do we just accept it and go? Is it is it possible to get a more accurate due date? Well, they do it differently in France already. They, They calculate it as a different number of... So what they have to do is estimate the moment of conception, don't they, by looking at how far gone they think you are, and then they extrapolate from that how long the average gestation period is. And I think in France they work from a different average, so you'd get a different due date from a French hospital and an English hospital. Okay, but... I know that doesn't answer your question. It doesn't... No. But But I'm just showing off knowledge, you see. It's it's, it's some knowledge, but is it possible to... 
Which one? Is it somewhere in between the two? Is one slightly well, more accurate I, than I, the other? I, 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 wanna, just I just want to frame the question a bit, a bit more specifically so that someone can ring in and answer it quite easily. Okay. So would it be would it be possible? Well, then to, you'd have to just conclude that if it was possible, they'd have done it. Okay. Wouldn't you? Or not? I don't know. When was when was the when was it when Could was those figures calculated? Why are yeah. due dates so inaccurate? Yeah. Let's do that. And then, uh, then okay. if I might do a supplementary. You. Yeah, oh. yeah. Mind you, it's your show, isn't it? So. Well, no, no, when the person rings in to tell us why they're so inaccurate, we will find out through my deft questioning whether okay. or not you... there is a better way of doing it. Yeah? Yeah, happy with that. Nice work, Gareth. Take it easy. Nine minutes after 12. 0345 6060973. Why are due dates for babies so wildly inaccurate, with only one in 20 babies arriving on the given date? Jeremy's in Cobham. Jeremy, question or answer? It's a question, Jay. Carry on. Um, how do they make cheese different strengths? So when you go into a supermarket, you can buy, as I did yesterday, you can mm. buy cheddar for mild all the way up to extra mature. So I'm okay. guessing there's a clear in the word mature, but I don't know. Oh, yeah. Um, but when I was a student, I had a job in the dairy making cheese. Did you? Yeah, I do. I had to scrape the mould off it. Mm. It was my job. Interesting. Um, and they didn't seem to do anything different. It was just that particular cheese and that dairy is all one strength. So I was wondering how, you know, like, they make different strengths of cheese. Yeah. Especially well, I think as you, as you just spotted yourself, you may have accidentally stumbled across the answer. But it is, they just leave it somewhere, you know... What what happens to it when they leave it? It's still not enough to say it's it's older. We need to know why it's stronger if it's right. older, because it, it, it means that something chemical continues to happen up until a certain point. Exactly. It doesn't get any stronger while it's in your fridge, does it? Exactly. I don't think it... I, I don't know whether mature is just uh, a red herring, or whether the, the, it's... Do you know what I like? I like the really fancy stuff from, from the... where you've actually got the salt grains in it, where you actually stumble across an actual little grain of salt in the cheese. Yeah. Oh, man, I lied. My mouth is actually... And do you know how they put the blue into Stilton? I did... I, they, 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 they stick it in with a, with a stick. No, they put copper wire through it. Wire, that was it. it. Yes. Yeah, copper wire. I didn't know they that. I didn't know. How, how, I mean, why did you not pursue a career in cheese? Well, I was only 16. Yeah, I had to but get still. Up at 4 o'clock in, in the morning. Oh, fair enough. And then one day, they, as a joke, the full time workers poured stale milk into my shoes and they stank. <laughs> and I had to throw them away and walk home in those shoes. <laughs> so I gave up. Went to university instead. Ah, I don't blame you. To be honest, one of the one of the finest moments ever in the history of this program. Back when only eleven people and my mum listened to it, as we did a whole hour on whether or not there was any food on the planet that couldn't be improved by the addition of cheese. Those were the days, Jeremy. Thank you. How, how did they get different strengths of cheddar? Um, something funny happened the other day. I was just thinking then about gradations of of uniqueness. So, the I, I, I referenced an Alan Partridge gag about two weeks ago. And someone said, it's very unique, James. And I quoted as a sort of child prodigy on early Alan Partridge in the radio days who said, "You one cannot have gradations of uniqueness. And then we were talking about Raheem Sterling's um, Sterling work uh, regarding racism and Stan Collymore rang in and referenced that thing as, a, as to sort of 
prove that he'd been listening earlier, uh, uh, the, the gradations of uniqueness. And then, weirdly, I forgot to tell you, the next day I was recording something with David Schneider, the comedian and the writer of Alan Partridge and, and The Death of Stalin and lots of other things, big collaborator with Amando Iannucci. And he was in that sketch. He was the father of the prodigy. So I had that really weird thing that I imagine David's used to, but I'm not, where I had to remind him about something that he'd worked on himself. And he said, no, I don't think that was me. I said, it was. You were the dad. He goes, oh, my God, you're absolutely right. One cannot have gradations of uniqueness, but one can have gradations of cheddar. So we'd like to know how they are achieved. Howard is in Sydenham. Howard, question or answer? Hi, James. It's a question. Happy Christmas to you and your family. Same to you. Same to you. Same to you. Of course. Thank you. Right, the question is something you, you actually raised a little earlier, oh. um, and I did do a bit of Googling, but not much information. How do the police track down the user of the drone? <laughs> that's, not, yes, that's not an answerable question. Well, yeah, yeah, it is, of course it is. Um, otherwise, they'd be wasting their time trying to. They must be doing something, mustn't they? Well, on Google it says something like um, they leave traces in the ecosphere or something, but... That kind of no, no, you're allowed to, to Google it before you ask the question. I'm sorry, I'm just dealing with some staffing issues. Howard. Can you can you talk among yourself for a moment? Yeah. You're allowed to Google it before you ask a question, obviously. Sure. You can't <laughs> Google it if you're going to answer a question. He's right. Thank you, Howard. <laughs> Not looking for a new job in the new year, are you, by any chance? Well, maybe, yeah. yeah see, see, <laughs> see if we can squeeze you in. Thank you, Howard. I shall try to find out. How did the police investigate these rogue drones? Quite a few of you are wondering whether a caller we had when Donald Trump was due to visit Britain may have had something to do. That's it's Oh, sorry. Yes. Uh, the, Matt, you remember the fellow who had a dwode and he was going to fly it into the Donald Trump cartoon because he was so quass. Um He got he made the book, that fella, actually. The one that I, I said, what about that footage of Donald Trump doing that thing? He goes, fake news. I said, no, but it's, it's that you can actually see it. And I got a message off an academic the other day saying they're using that as a case study in uh, delusion, in, in political delusion, how propaganda can persuade people to argue that the, that the sky is green and that black is white. Um, so, well done. That fellow with the dwone made you famous. 12.14 is the time. Ben's in Madrid. Ben, question or answer? It's all right, Ben. In your own hello? time. Yeah, hello, mate. You're right. Hello, sorry, 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 That's sorry. Okay. What's yeah, going so on? Oh, what's he up to? What, does he uh, want well, to ask well, the question? Well, I'm in Madrid, and my son wants to know: is a yeah. pepper a fruit or a vegetable? A He's nine, and my yeah. my daughter's five. Yeah. She says it's a vegetable. He says it's a fruit. And I'm the rest. Do you want to speak to him quickly? Oh, yeah. Oh, God. No, he's all right. Leave him alone. No, it's fine. He doesn't want to talk to some boring old git on the radio, Ben. Give him a Hello. break. I'm here. Are you? Oh, you're, you're here. Yeah, I'm, still, yeah, I'm, I'm still here. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Loud and clear. Are you, are you on holiday in Madrid, or do you live there? No, I live here. Oh, okay. Cool. But they're on, they're on holiday here with oh, me. Oh, great. The kids have come to visit, and you're listening to Mystery Hour together. Yeah. That, that puts a warm glow course, in my yeah, heart. Of course. Of course we are. We love you. Bless you, mate. And I'll try and get you an answer. No, I know he is, but give him my... Give yeah. t- 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 tell him from me, his dad's a Wally and he's cool, all right? Oh, yeah, his dad's a Wally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Cra- no, get on with it, Ben. You've got, some, you've got some parenting to do. Is it a pepper, a fruit or a vegetable? We need to find out for Ben's kids, all right? You're listening to a podcast of James O'Brien from LBC. Well, I don't know, well, there was no sort of little aftershock on that one. Da 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 Doug's in Wandsworth. Doug, question or answer? Uh, question, James. Was it that, that, um, yeah. Well, and an answer, actually. No, only, um, you can only do a question. You know how it works. I can, I can only do a question. Yeah, of course you can. I just, 
well, I've got a solution to the Gatwick thing. Uh, no, you know, I mean, it's the, the, a really good one. Well, I, I, yeah, but, but let's not fall out about this. There is okay, a, there's a reason why out. that we, 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 you have to speak to a producer before you can come on out. Otherwise, there'd be chaos. Okay, it'd be like yeah. Brexit, mate, with no deal. Fair enough. Okay, carry on. Well, I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm sensing a bit of Rayleighism here because <laughs> my friend, who, who's the scientist, has been given a Rayleigh. I've never won one, but I only have a question. I'm going to have an answer. Well, you're not going to get a Rayleigh for a question, mate. Well, what if it's a really, really excellent question? Yeah, all right. Yeah, you can have one if it's a really, really excellent question. Okay. How about this? Go on. We, uh, as humans, our voices deepen, well, certainly men, our voices break at about, what, 14-ish? Yeah. Does the same happen to animals, specifically um, domestic animals, dogs and cats? Do their voices break? That's the question you think would get a Rayleigh Otter? Yeah, and I'll tell you why. Go on, because <laughs> I have a Maine Coon cat, right, which is uh, a yeah. cross between a Siberian forest cat and uh, allegedly an American raccoon. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah like, so it's supposed to be a mean cat. Uh, and he is a mean cat. He's the size of, a small, or, or, of an average dog and, and really heavy to pick up. But when he... When we had him done, i.e. spayed, uh, emasculated, yeah. um, he kept his high meow as a kitten. So now he's a huge male cat, and he meows like a kitten, like a baby. Yeah, I, I understand why you're asking the question. I've also got a castrated cat at home, and, and I recognise entirely what you describe. But I'm just genuinely, I, I mean, how, I, I'm fascinated by the idea that you thought this would be worthy of a Rayleigh Otter. How often well, have you I'm listened to this? Pro- that. Do what? their voices change? No, I, I, no, I, I, I will put the question on the board. Do animals or other mammals um, have voices that break like like humans do? But I just, I just, I just want to go back to your incredible levels of. Of confidence. Do you, how often do you listen to the programme? Every single time, James. Don't humiliate me. I'm not, humili- I'm not humiliating you, Doug. I'm just <laughs> genuinely intrigued because I think that if we could somehow bottle the optimism that you brought to the programme today when you thought you'd get yeah. a Rayleigh Otter for asking where the cat's voices break, if we okay, could well, bottle you, that you optimism... We could get Brexit, mate. We could somehow get unicorns by Christmas. It could all, everything could all be all right. You get a Rayleigh Otter if you are... I don't know, if we're talking about toasters and you invented the toaster. Okay, but I... <laughs> what did you make oh, get his for? What did you make get his for? I, I beg your pardon. Sorry, I didn't get that. Did, I, I, did you say your friend got a Rayleigh Otter, but you you hadn't got yeah, one? Yeah, he got a Rayleigh Otter. What did he get his for? What did he get his for? Well, answering something on molecular biology. Yeah, exactly, and he was a molecular biologist, and a very small number of people in the planet would have had the qualifications to make the molecular biology <laughs> interlude. And, and you rang up and said, did my cat's voice break? Okay, well, you got all the Brexit stuff and everybody getting irate about that. I thought I'd just, just get it. <laughs> You're a star. From Mate, give him a round of applause for a great question. <laughs> Frankly, you're lucky you got that, pal. 21 minutes after 12. Andy's in Bristol. Question or answer, Andy? Uh, it's an answer. Carry on. So, the question, the first question of the show was, um, how do we make due dates more accurate? Um, yes. I'm coming at this from the perspective of the paediatrician, so I can't comment on um, the obstetric side, so all the things that make a woman go into labour. Right. But what I will say is that I think, I think it's actually unfair that 
at least in Western societies, we tell women to expect their baby on the 40-week mark. So yes. th- as as, your, as the caller said, that is a very small proportion of babies, sort of 5% of babies that are born on their expected due date. Myself and my colleagues in my practice would count um, a term baby, so a baby born at term between 37 weeks and 42 weeks, which is actually a five-week sort of... It's a reasonably large chunk of time. And in France, they go later, I think, or... or, or it's not 40 weeks, it's somewhere within that five-week window. I'll, 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 I don't know that about that, I'm afraid. But what, what I'm trying to do is, is provide reassurance to mums who are pregnant or who are oh, going to be planning to be pregnant yes. who think that delivering their baby two or three weeks early is a really big deal. Because chances are that baby, from the perspective of lungs, heart and brain and guts, so which are all the issues that premature babies actually do run into trouble with, yes. at 37 weeks it should be absolutely fine. Ah. So when I ask mums, you know, when was your baby born as part of seeing them at a later time in their childhood, they tell me three weeks early, that's still on time from my point of view. Yeah, no, I like that. And, and I mean, it is a bit of an odd one, isn't it, in, in the context of... The potential really problems, strange. the p- potential yeah. problems it could cause, and it's never been never been redressed. So there's no way of doing it more accurately because 37 weeks to 42 weeks is a, is a big window, and it, it, you could have a massive window and be more accurate. You could say you're due between, you know, the the beginning of well, June and the middle of July. Point. I think I think we should be preparing women for delivering their baby between 37 weeks and 42 exactly. weeks. Exactly. If you're ready for at the drop of a hat to go to hospital with the bag ready and everything good to go, it doesn't really matter what time. Of no. day or when within that period your baby is born, actually. Yeah, great work. Round of applause for Dr. Andy. Your qualifications are that you're a paediatrician, right? Yep. Yeah, well, that's pretty strong. Yeah, I'm a lot closer to a Ray Liotta than the last lad. 23 minutes after 12 is the time. Dave's in Derby. Dave, question or answer? How are you? Festive greetings, James. And to you, David. How are oh, you? I've got a festive question for you, young man. Well, bring it on. Where does the, the tradition of pulling Christmas crackers come from? Oh, I like that. I know, I love it too. Yeah, that's a very strong... We did do a Christmas mystery hour a couple of years ago, and we've almost certainly answered this, but I, I can't remember, so I love it. We'll do it again. There we are. I'm sharing the wealth. Have a lovely Christmas, and my dear. Same to you, mate. Look I'm after Paul Talbot for Christmas, which is where... My, my mate, while his garage painted, so I'm going to see a Banksy tomorrow. Are you really? A real, the real deal? My sister lived with Ian for ten years. She splits up with him, and he gets his garage painted by Banksy. So this is some people won't be fully aware of what's actually going on, which I, I grant you is a fairly common occurrence on this program. But yeah. but it has been revealed in the news today mm. that Banksy has struck um, at a petrol station in Portalba. No, it's not. It's his it's his brick garage. A brick it's garage. His brick garage. And yeah. why did he pick Ian? Exactly. <laughs> and why did my sister leave him? Will <laughs> she try and get back now that he's got well, a Banksy on his garage wall? She's married Neil now, isn't she? Oh, crikey, Neil's going to be in for a right old roasting this Christmas, isn't he? Have a cracker, buddy. She said, well, you pull, yeah, well, either way. Well played. <laughs> yeah, Good work. 25 minutes after 12. Top man, Dave. Safe journey for you. That, that's a bona fide story, that. That's amazing. It's a world exclusive. We just spoke to the brother of the former partner of the bloke whose garage just got decorated by Banksy. I'm going home now. That's it. My career has peaked. Lee's in Ashford. I'll talk to you first. Question or answer, Lee? Uh, it's a question, James. Yes. The question is, uh, at what temperature would a lone emperor a penguin freeze to death? In the Antarctic, obviously. Yeah, they, ne- they never do. Something I don't think they ever do, but there must, there must be, because they've got, like, magic feet, but there must be... Even with magic feet, there must be a 
I mean, you couldn't put them. They, they, I, I don't think they've ever frozen to death at a natural temperature, but you could stick them in, a, in an artificially created temperature, couldn't you? Well, I think the temperature gets down to minus 40 at times. Yeah, and they, and they don't freeze so, to death. And they don't freeze yeah, to death. So, so They must freeze to death at some temperature. And, yeah, but uh, who's going to have found out, mate? What sort of a monster I, would have I, done that I, experiment? I don't know. Some evil, evil What sort guy of a sick, disgusting, yeah. despicable stain upon our species would have worked out how yeah. cold a penguin has to be before it freezes to death? I'll try and get you an answer, mate, all right? Thank you. Thank you. 26 minutes after 12 is the time. If, if you know Banksy, you t- I've got a lovely garden wall. It could do some lovely work on my garden wall. I could chip it off and set up that fund to explain to people about why we should be more careful about big data. Michael is in Caterham. Question or answer, Michael? Question. Carry on. How did they program the first computer without a computer? It was, um, it was cards with holes in them. Really? Yeah. If you build a computer, yeah. obviously it's very primitive. Surely you needed another computer. No, the first computer, you, what you need to do is think about the word literally, a computer, oh. which essentially was a glorified calculator. So what the first computer did was really big sums that you wouldn't have been able to do in your head. And the way that the yeah. numbers were put into the computation device was by way of perforated cards. So how did they move that to... No, 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 no. I've answered your question. <laughs> Round of applause for me. You'll have to ring back next year if you want any further information. Alfie is in Dublin. Alfie, question or answer? James, hello. Thank yeah. you so much for having me on. Yes, so welcome, uh, Alfie. It's grand to hear from uh, you. Question or answer? Listen, it's been a great year, and this is one of the highest achievements of the year. <laughs> what a time to be alive. You're Fair over the line. Here. Thank you so much. Are you, you're, right. I, I know who you are. You're, 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 you're Gabrielle's Alfie. We spoke to you last week, you one did. of Gabrielle's questions, and now I have a burning question. There we go, it's, two for two. She's not and, with me. My lucky charm is not here today. So. Well, send, send her our love. Um, did she tell you that my oldest was a huge fan of hers? Oh, yes, he did indeed. So I'm going to turn her on to your stuff, Alfie, as well. But, but at the moment, she, it was Gabrielle. <laughs> was the, <laughs> when you, I got James. a DM off Gabrielle, she was over the moon. Oh, she was indeed. We were both over the moon when we were on Miss Sierra last week. Uh, do you know what else I got two, for her? Yeah. Do you know what else I got for her? This is what a great dad I am, mate. I got, I got my mate, you? my mate James McVeigh, who's just got out of the jungle, has been working with Catherine McGrath, who you probably know, do you? As part of the Irish I know, music. Catherine McGrath, yeah, so, yeah. So, so James McVeigh got got Catherine to send a lovely message to my oldest on on via phone. No way. Straight up, nice. mate. Straight up. Seriously. Nice. Anyway, well, where were we? From Gabrielle, pretty soon, I'm sure. You're a star. Anyway, so uh, here's a question for the year that's in it. Yes. Um, Okay. Go. How do I say? What was the first use of the word Brexit? Or oh, who invented strong. it? Oh, that's strong. I, do you know? I don't know that. Oh, you'd think I would, wouldn't you? Now you must know that. I've I've no idea, mate. I've uh, no idea. Well, someone will know it. Someone when did the word Brexit first appear? I mean, if they've stuck it in the dictionary, they should probably have come to some sort of... Alfie, mate, that's a cracking question. Um, and look after yourself. Love to Gabrielle as well. It's coming up to half past twelve. You're listening to James O'Brien on LBC, where we will just run through quickly all the questions still in weight of answers. Who coined the word Brexit and when? I've done that. How cold would a penguin have to be to freeze to death? Someone deserves, Rick deserves a little round of applause here. If the guy calls in who actually did freeze a penguin to death, would you give him a Rayleigh Otter? I would, yeah, but I'd be worried about 
PETA, you know, the people for the ethical treatment of animals would be boycotting the studio in yet another one of their desperate attention-seeking exercises. But I don't know. If he does ring in, we'll, we'll, we'll jump off that bridge when we come to it. Uh, who invented Christmas crackers? We've done the due dates. How do they make different strengths of cheddar? How do the police investigate the drones? Is a pepper a fruit or a vegetable? I think I know that. But we need to find out for Ben's kids in Madrid on their holidays. And... Do an, do animals' voices break? Oh three four five six oh six oh nine seven three. If you know the answer to any of these, you're listening to a podcast of James O'Brien from LBC. I'm, um, I think Nina makes a valid point. She says killing a lonely penguin through gradual freezing is never going to replace the expression boiling a frog, despite actually being more possible. Um, and if you were wondering about my desperate attempts to. Uh, establish some sort of youthful credibility with my last caller from Dublin, Alfie. You should know that he is part of the popular beat combo Hudson Taylor and uh, Gabrielle Applin. I presume is his partner. Either that or they're very good friends because they rang in on, on different ends of the same extension last week to ask, ask a question. Um, extremely talented young people, both. 12.34 is the time. Um, I think we'd probably do some answers. Michael's in Hackney. Michael, question or Answer. Answer. Bring it on. Right, so the Christmas cracker question. Um, I actually got this as a like little info sheet instead of a joke in a cracker last year at Christmas. Oh. <laughs> well, I'm glad so, for us, I mean, because we're going to find <laughs> out and stuff. But, okay. um, so I, I can't remember the exact date, but I think it was the 1800s, and I believe it was a gentleman called Tom Smith, and I think the first ones were made for, for royalty, and there was, like, sweets and... I think it was bonbons, stuff like that inside. Oh, and a paper crown. Yeah, but you can't just say, I think it came from royalty. No, 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 it's a gift to royalty by Tom Smith. Oh, and OK. I, Who was Tom Smith? Like a, a merchant? A cracker maker. <laughs> well, he can't have been a cracker maker because crackers already existed if he was already a cracker no, maker. No, 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 he invented the crackers. Right. But what was he before that? Was he a, a, a merchant or, a, I mean, did he make... This was on a piece of paper that should have had a really rubbish joke on inside a cracker. I, last year, <laughs> we got really good jokes. I, I don't know where my mother-in-law got the crackers, but the jokes were, were next level. They were absolutely brilliant. They were crackers. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So Thomas Smith was his name. Tom Smith. Tom Smith. Um, and yeah, it was probably the Victoria. You'd, ma you'd imagine yeah. it would be Queen Victoria and Prince Albert because yeah. they kind of invented the modern Christmas, or Prince Albert did. <sighs> And the, and the idea was see, the, the only flaw in your the, in your answer. Well, is that I, I need to know whether or not he invented a cracker and took it to the Queen, or whether he was already knocking out loads of crackers and then it was a marketing exercise when he gave it to the Queen and everything went bonkers. I don't know how hot they were on their PR in the that's uh, what I mean. 1800s. And that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. And we haven't got a well, year. I the question: Where does the tradition come from? And I guess we all follow the steps. It, it, it was invented by a bloke <laughs> called Tom Smith. I'm giving you a round of applause, but there's room. If others want to put more flesh upon the bones of Michael's answer, then they're free to do so. Good man. 12.36 is the time. Um, we've only got tomorrow. We've only done one round, Robin, this year. We've only got tomorrow now. So if you've got a round, Robin, give us a, um, give us a ring tomorrow and read out the most boring bits. Frank's in East Grinstead. Frank, question or answer? Uh, hello, James. Uh, pleasure to speak with you. Uh, an no, answer about the peppers. Carry on, Frank. You'll, you'll probably know this anyway. It's obvious when you know. Uh, basically, the difference between fruit and vegetables. Fruit contain pips, uh, seeds, or even stones. Whether you look at a lemon that has pips in yeah. apples, uh, tomatoes have seeds, and fruit. obviously peppers. Cucumber? Uh, well, dozens. 
Yeah, yeah, they fruit. actually do have little seeds when you actually dissect a cucumber. They'll have seeds. So they're a fruit. So a cucumber is actually a fruit. Yes, indeed, it is actually a fruit. A cucumber is. You could Google it. But a butternut digest, squash. But, yeah. uh, <laughs> butternut squash. I'm not an expert on everything. I hardly ever cook it. I do quite a lot of cooking, but, but it's got a lot of seeds in it, hasn't it? Yeah, again, yeah, that would make it a... Um, I don't think there's anything as, actually, I don't think a veg. I don't think vegetable is a scientific term. I think, because even a banana is, a, is, I think, officially a seed, or a I pod. I thought you actually might, might uh, raise the uh, question of a banana. Right, they um, do come up a lot on this programme, usually when talking to Brexiters who have nothing else to offer. <laughs> nice one. Um, the other thing, um, most vegetables, uh, a lot of their, if you like, um, produce is actually develops underground like the good old potato carrots beetroots again they don't have seeds naturally what you eat actually comes from within the earth itself you actually have to dig them up yes so um that that basically is as far as i can take it and i only know this because my father was a keen gardener no um, i I, I like it i'm just trying to think what what is a stone cold vegetable because a potato is a seed yeah uh well no you have to seed your potato but the seeds what would be an actual vegetable so a chilli pepper well, is a fruit? Chilli peppers, again, yeah. class as fruit because they have the little stones inside which you have to scrape out. I, uh, you you're right. I can't them. remember whether it was Ben's son or Ben's daughter who was arguing that a pepper was a fruit, but one of them's won and one of them's lost. And your qualifications are horticulture. Yeah, well, I adore gardening. I remember my father cutting open, a, uh, cutting or dissecting a tomato about 40 years ago and saying, look, this is a fruit because, and showed me all the seeds. And I, I, so I love gardening as well. No, I, I, I get so that. I get some That's all thing. I can claim my knowledge. It's on my list, mate. <laughs> Things to do when I retire. Round of applause for Yeah, Frank. Oh, definitely. Good man. <laughs> it's 12.39. Francis is in Dartford. Francis, question or answer? It's an answer. Carry on. Um, is the answer for the cheese question that you asked? Oh, yes. How do we make different strengths of cheddar? Right. The, the way it's done is that milk is put into a large vat and a starter culture is then added to it. It's then churned for about 12 hours and then the cheese is scooped off of it and put into um, an area that is made into large blocks. Yes. Um, then after, say, um, I think it's about three months, when after it's gone a bit hard, that would be your mild cheese. Yes. After after six months, um, you would have it as your mature cheese. And after a year, you would have it as your extra mature cheese. Um, What's happening during that period, do we know? It's, you've got all the cultures inside the cheese. You're getting all the air bubbles and all the salts, and it's all mixing together, and it's making a lovely, lovely, gorgeous cheese. Yeah, I mean, um, that's a great advertising slogan, but it's not very good science, Francis. <laughs> is it fermenting? I mean, what would, word would we use? I know it's maturing, it, it would, but, yeah, but chemically it would be, it's... It, it would be fermenting inside. The, the cultures that are inside are actually mm. um, creaming up and making it into the cheese that we have today. Ooh. And the, re- the reason that it actually stops maturing, once it's taken out of a room that's at a, a constant temperature, once you take it out of that, all the cultures then stop. And that's how you get your mild cheese. And once you put it in your fridge, it will no longer mature. That's why you don't get your cheeses any stronger once they've been put in the fridge. Oh, so when it's when it's maturing, it's at room temperature? Or, 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 that's right, oh, yeah. This is, what are your yeah. qualifications? I used to be a cheese specialist for a well-known supermarket. Well, you did, what, you'd be the buyer and the taster? and the... I would be the, the, the um, lady that would sell you the cheese. I okay. would let you taste the cheese. Also... Um, 
with the blue cheeses. So you were quite, you were quite, you, were, you, were you in charge of the cheese counter? Yes. So you were quite a big cheese? Yes. <laughs> yes, I was. Sorry. That, you, didn't even, you shouldn't even have laughed politely at that one. I, I crack, you can tell it's nearly break-up time, can't you? I know, I know. <sighs> also, with, with the blue cheese, um, a gentleman earlier said that... Copper wire. Um, copper, copper wire. That's not the case. Oh, my um, days. Stuart's inquiry. don't that anymore. Um, once the cheese is made, you've got your round cheese, and it's all white. They then put in... Um, a penicillin with it, and then they, uh, as they spike the edges of it, which isn't doesn't have to be copper, the air gets into the cheese, and that's how you get the blue vein. Oh gosh, do you miss it? Absolutely. Yeah, I can see. I mean, I, I, if you get an enthusiasm for something, it's infectious, isn't it? And I love it. Yeah, I yeah. really love it. And your, li- your little salt bubbles. Yes. You, you were saying that you mm. like the salt. Mm. What that is when they're, they're making the cheddar or whatever cheese it is. They do actually put salt in with the cultures to make it work. Yes. You get little air pockets, and them little air pockets, they're, um, they've got nowhere to go, so it builds up to be like a little salt, and you normally get a little bit of whey in there as well, and so that's how you get that gorgeous taste. That little crunchy bit. That's right, yeah. my favourite bit. What's the best cheese you've ever eaten? Oh, crikey. Um, it's got to be a Stilton. It's Is got it? to be a proper English Stilton, a really mature one. I had a cave-aged Comte. That had come from France. Beautiful. And they, 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 I think I got it at the cheese counter in Selfridges, and, and, and it, I put it in my mouth, Francis. Yeah. And it was like taking drugs. I, well, how I imagine <laughs> how I imagine drugs would be. It was like being drunk. The flavours filled my mouth in a way that I oh, quite <laughs> incredible. I might do that next year. What day should we make it? What should I do? I do an eleven o'clock hour on what's the best cheese you've ever eaten. What do you think? Um, oh, crikey! If you do have Stilton mm. or any any blue cheese, mix it with a little bit of of honey. Just drizzle a tiny bit of honey on it, and that brings out all the flavours of, of all the, the blue mould. Honey is an, is generally an overrated, uh, underrated addition to a cheese board. Actually, yeah, you should try. You should I, I'm, I'm with you, try. Francis. I'm completely with you. And do you know what else I quite like? Given that Christmas is just around the corner, I, I do. I quite like to put um, a bit of st- a bit of cheddar or Stilton actually on my fruit cake, on my Christmas cake, a bit of cheese. Nice. Yeah. Winterdale goes well with that as well. Quite northern, I think that. My mum introduced me to that, but I think it's something we should spread up and down these islands. Yep, we should. Carry we on, should Francis. Massive <laughs> round of applause for Francis, please. Yeah. Great work. Yasik is in Birmingham. Yasik, question or answer? Answer. Carry on. Uh, about the first computer being programmed. So we're having a steward's inquiry. Sorry? We're, we're, we're questioning the answer that was already given, are we? Uh, well, I was... Because I was, it was I me that gave that answer, it. which means it's almost certainly in, t- in, in need of I questioning. I didn't quite hear it because I, I was calling as you must have answered. Um, well, apparently you have was, a different answer and you already sound more qualified than I am. So how did they program the first <laughs> computer? Um, well, it wasn't the kind of computer that you're thinking about because it was Babbage's computation machine. Yes. Um, which was all that, just mechanical cogs and switches oh uh, so dials they, they changed yeah. diet so they changed the dials around to do a sum and then press the button and get the result yeah and it's all, all based on like the way that the cogs and things interact with each other yeah um which actually maps pretty nicely onto like a modern instruction set in a computer good grief really yeah he was a what was the name of the woman that worked with him who didn't is it lovelace ada, ada lovelace and there's yeah. someone who, who deserves to be much more widely known than, than she currently is qualifications yasik 
BSc in computer science. That'll do. So you get a round of applause, yeah. but also you get... Uh, what do I get? I mean, I have to eat humble pie, or do I have mine? Why does he get two? Oh, he gets mine as well. Yeah, give him two rounds of applause then. <laughs> One. Two. Crikey. It's going to be a great Christmas for you, Yassik. Or, or, or possibly it's already peaked. You're listening to a podcast of James O'Brien from LBC. Um, how cold would a penguin have to be before it froze to death? Um, I need to clarify something uh, on the point about the little crunchy bits and delicious cheddar cheese. It's calcium lactate, not sodium chloride. So it's not salt in the sense of sodium chloride, but I don't know whether calcium lactate is a salt. I don't, I don't know. I thought Francis was nudging me in the right direction on that one, but I'm happy to clarify. How will the police track down um, rogue drone users and do animals' voices break? Um, I think that's pretty much it. And the first... Oh, we really need this. The first... Who coined the word Brexit? A few people are suggesting Dennis McShane, actually. Um, we shall find out whether or not that is true. Before all of that, Vieri is here. Vieri is better known to the world at large as Dr. Dog, one of the world's leading animal behaviourists. So I presume you're here to talk about either the voice-breaking or the <laughs> or the penguin-freezing, Vieri. Which one is it? No, no, it's, it's hi. Hi, James. Uh, it's the voice-breaking. Carry it's on. It's the voice-breaking. Uh, actually, by the way, the guy who asked that, he said he has a Maine Coon. Yes. And I just wanted to set the record straight. A Maine Coon is not a cross between a cat and a raccoon, because that's biologically impossible. Is that what so he said? Did he say it was a cross between a cat and a yeah, raccoon? Yeah, yeah, it's a myth. So lots of Maine Coon uh, owners out there, if they think that they've got a cross between a, a raccoon and a I can't believe I let that pass unchallenged, because even I would have spluttered <laughs> in, in, in disbelief at the idea yeah. that his cat was crossed with a raccoon. Yeah, no, it's not. Oh, right. no, I'm glad we cleared that <laughs> up. Anyway, so carry on. I'm sure it's a lovely cat. I'm sure I am so as well, but it's not a half raccoon. Uh, carry on. <laughs> That's not. Okay, voices breaking. Well, there are no scientific studies on this. Uh, but, yeah, voices do change. And the reason why they change is because the animals grow. Same with us. There is a difference between male dogs and female dogs. Female dogs will tend to sound not much different from, you know, when they were adolescent than when they're adults. But male dogs do go through puberty in a much stronger way. And because they do, they basically behave like, you know, young male humans and, um, and have bo- voice breaking. And they actually get started by it, startled by it. By their own voice breaking? In a high pitch. Yeah, yeah. And they, they it's, suddenly, it's suddenly really low and they get startled by it. So, yes, it does happen. How and amazing. it's because of the um, change of the puberty. volume of the lungs of the larynx. Yeah. Love it. Just dogs or, or any other mammals? Or, I mean, I know dogs are your field of speciality, so you, you may not know. Well, all mammals except the ones underwater, but yeah. Love it. Qualifications? Yeah. We know this, but I'll give yourself an advert. Um, I'm, <laughs> as you can hear, my dog just said it for me. I'm Dr. Dog. He's Dr. Dog. <laughs> Look him up. He knows everything. Very. thank you so much. Marty's in Belfast. Marty, question or answer? It's an answer, James, uh, to do with coining of the phrase Brexit. What have we got? It's a, it was a guy by the name of Peter Wilding. And it was only a couple of weeks ago. He was on one of the news programmes. I can't remember if it was ITV, BBC or Sky. Really? And his biggest fear is that this is going to be his epitaph. So he coined the phrase Brexit. And who is he? Peter Wilding. Yeah. Wow. And what, so, does, he, what does he do? Uh, I, I, I don't know. I just remember watching the programme 
uh, it was all in the background. I think he's been on. I think on. he's been on LBC in the past, actually. I, 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 I presume he's some sort of economist or something. I mean, you've already got your round of applause. You're over the line. You remembered his name, Peter Wilding, coined the phrase Brexit, yeah. and he's. I mean, that would be a sad little, unless the whole thing gets called off, in which case it'd, it'd be a great thing to have on your CV, but if it actually happened... Oh. Well, that's very true. Qualifications? Yeah, Watching that, that telly. Is, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Watching news programmes. And a very Merry Christmas to you and yours, James. And to you, Marty. Seriously, you take it easy, but accept this with, with, with bows on. <laughs> Good man. Peter Wilding. What does he do? Can we find out? Can we... Chairman of British Influence, and he came up with the phrase Brexit. Love that, and that's that's regarded as as, as widely accepted. God, we should invent a word, or perhaps a game involving arrows and a and a court board. Uh-huh, uh-huh. See, yeah. Nathan's in Portsmouth. Question or answer, Nathan? Answer, James, on your when the penguins freeze to death. <laughs> Carry on. So penguins could freeze to death at minus forty-five. Right. If they're with a bunch of their mates, they huddle together and they take turns on being on the outside of the pack. And those inside the huddle, obviously the temperature is greater because they're all huddled together. So even if the temperature goes to, say, minus 45, they would all survive because they're huddled together and take turns on the outside of the pack, taking the brunt of the storm or the cold weather. And how, how, how cold would it have to be for the whole pack to freeze to death? Oh, don't know that, but That's it would right. have to go to minus, say, 55 for prolonged periods, perhaps. Yes. Yeah. But on his own, he could he could freeze to death if he was on his own at a temperature that he would otherwise survive at if he's with his mate. And we're going for minus 45 degrees? Minus 45 to 47. For, oh, you're good. Qualifications? I know a load of useless information, and also I watch a lot of David Attenborough programmes, yeah. and I saw that a couple of three months ago. And you've got a magpie memory. It just the stuff sticks. Stuff, useless stuff sticks, important stuff in one ear and out the other. Tell me about it. It's just, I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's all right for me, because I invented Mystery Hour as a way of making up for the fact that the silly stuff sticks and the important stuff disappears out the other ear. But it's a curse, Nathan, isn't it? A curse, mate. It, it, I was the one that asked about the beans on toast, what beans are beans on toast a few months back. <laughs> remember that one? Yeah, of course I do, yeah. Yeah, I can't remember well, the answer. Remember the Harico beans. <laughs> Harico, Harico, Harico. Remember that? Yeah, of course I do. Not Borlotti. I thought they were Borlotti, but they were Harico. Beans, they beans. Were. Beans, but right, well, that's a brilliant work. A round of applause for Nathan. Thank you. Well, thank you. And of course penguins can freeze to death. You get a rogue penguin who's, who's kind of lost lost touch with the pack. What's he going to do? He can't stay alive however cold it gets. Marcio is in Madeira. Marcio, question or answer? Hi, uh, it's a question. Carry uh, It's a bit late, but hopefully we can get something. Yeah. How do ants keep, always manage to find food in the middle of nowhere? I have no idea, and it keeps happening. So you have, like, I don't know, just a, a lost, a, a rogue cracker or a cookie somewhere in the middle of a They must table, have, do they not have amazing, want, do they have a sense of smell or a... I don't know, do you think everything smells that much? Well, I mean, you I mean, could, it, I mean, you, it's, it's, it, we can't think of it in human terms, but you, you're right, aren't you? An ant will detect, or an army of ants will detect a tiny crumb yeah, of something exactly. under a sofa miles away from anywhere else. How yeah. do ants find food? 
Yeah, I, I really like that question. I can't believe that yeah. you've had to ring all the way from Madeira to ask that question. It's but, true. It's true. I'm well, enjoying my EU membership, and uh, yeah, all right, actually, mate. I'm from here, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm actually here for Christmas. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying my EU membership because I'm calling you. I'm not paying. Because, yeah, uh, well, for now it's free. Yes, yeah, so exactly. That. Well, that's yeah, how exactly. we should have done it. If there's another campaign, that's how we'll play it. Yeah, of course, it's a great idea to have to pay more to make phone calls and indeed to pay money to even go on holiday in the first place. Well, it doesn't matter. I have to pay for a visa to go to America. Yeah. But if you voted for Brexit, you have to explain why paying to go on holiday is better than not paying to go on holiday. All the rest is gravy. Ah, and speaking of gravy, little splash of Madeira in your gravy on Christmas Day goes, goes works wonders. Oh, man, it's astonishing segues. 12.55 is the time. I've run out of answers, and I've still got some questions. So, how do ants find food? I don't. We can't squeeze on any more questions. I will put you straight on air if you um, have an answer to these questions. How would the police, and if you're investigating, you can ring in and tell me. I'll keep your identity secret. We'll call you Undercover. Undercover Colin. Uh, how, do, how will they track down these drone rogue drone flyers i just want to know what they'll do what, what, what technology is available to them i think they work on um radio waves don't they so you're not going to be able to triangulate it in the way you could a mobile phone not not for the controller i don't think you are but i don't know anything so the drones we've done the christmas crackers how will the police investigate the drones we've done brexit is it just drones is that all we've got left drones and ants okay how do ants find food and how do cops find rogue drone users? Oh three four five six oh six oh nine seven three. Matt is in Reading. Matt, question or answer? I've got an answer, James. Carry on, Matt. So on the drones, the first thing I'd like to say on it is the police won't do anything. What they'll actually do is outsource it to a company with the equipment to do oh, it. Really? So basically, um, it's very actually quite easy to hack a drone with the correct equipment. Um, they basically run over 2.4 and 5 gigahertz systems, the same as Wi-Fi signals do, and much the same as your Wi-Fi network at home. It's quite easy to crack into. Um, so that's how they can bring the zone down. They can control it. They can redirect the feed by doing something called a deauthentication attack on the drone. Um, but, but the police won't do it. Another company or the government specialists would do it. Um, and as for the base station on it, it's quite a simple task that's been used for years by people with Ofcom. They just get a high-gain antenna, you use a scanner, you know what frequency ranges they're on, you find the frequencies, you walk around in a circle till you find which direction it's so, going. So, they, so all they have to do is leg it? They couldn't track them down if Thank they weren't... <laughs> what? Um, well, obviously... They're Unless they're actually flying the drone, the drone at that time, they're not going to be sending out any signal. No, they'd either have to bring the drone in themselves to get the serial numbers off it and track back where it was bought from, and hopefully it would be bought from either an online account where you could trace back the bank account it was bought from, or a shop in public where they could look at the CCTV, etc. Um Yeah, um, so that's basically it. Um, it's quite, it's not I mean, it's, it's the not a perfect crime, but it is, it's, it's a lot harder to trace than almost anything else that, that could move that so quickly the, and that effectively. There's actually a, a section in the industry at the moment where drones are having Raspberry Pis put onto them yeah. um, and they're actually used as mobile hacking devices. So if you need to get into somebody's network and you can't physically access their site, say, a power grid or somewhere like that, but they've got Wi-Fi on site, it's not been unknown for people to fly a drone in, land it in the car park where they can and use it as a and use it like that. Qualifications? Um, I am one of the good guys, so I'm what they call an ethical hacker. I work for a defence company protecting people from attacks as such. 
Kim Miranda. Is that Ray Liotta or not? How many people do what you do, roughly? Um, Be honest. There's a massive shortage at the moment. Give me a Ray Liotta. Come on, it's Christmas. Here, fill your boots, mate. I'm Ray Liotta, and you're listening to James O'Brien on LBC. If you build it, they will come. Good work. And a round of applause. Right, Luke, you've got to answer the question about ants really quickly, otherwise I'm not going to have time to plug my book signing tonight. No worries. So ants use their antenna and they can pick up my new odours. Sugar leaves are my new odour. Qualifications? I'm working pest control. Round of applause. Between seven o'clock and half past eight tonight, I would be delighted to join you for a, a book signing and wine drinking event at Wild and Lee's on Half Moon Lane in Hearn Hill. I do, I do hope you can make it. If you can't, I'll have a drink for you. Here's Sheila Fogarty. If you enjoyed this podcast, hear James O'Brien live every weekday morning from 10, only on LBC.